0: Welcome to a brand new series of Founded and Grounded, the podcast which takes the real world experiences of entrepreneurs and founders and shares them with you, our listeners, whether you're on your own business journey or whether you just love a good business yarn. Then, this is the podcast for you. A very warm welcome to you. My name is Andrew Parsonage. I'll be your genial host for this third series of the podcast. I'm delighted to say, but obviously, not doing this on my own because sitting opposite me as ever. Is business startup guru and general all round oracle of knowledge himself, Mr. Ollie Collard. Good morning, Ollie.
1: Good morning, Angie. How are you doing?
0: I'm, I'm all right, thanks, mate. And I'm delighted to say, listeners, that we're back in the garage of dreams. It's been empty for too long. It's it's had a car in it. It's had kids <laughs> stuff in it. But now it's got podcast gear in it, which is back to its prime use, just to kind of add a little bit more to the reality of the show. Because we're all about reality on the show, Ollie. The, and the reality of this morning's recording is that we got our neighbours of having some some work done on their house. So <laughs> if, if you hear like random drill noises and stuff going on next door. That's what it is, okay. But don't be put off because we've got a great starting episode for you today. We'll tell you more about that in just a short while. But Ollie, uh, we we did the preview show a few weeks ago you may have heard that actually folks it's a little 10 minute uh, opener just just great to be back here Ollie and, and looking forward to another series of founder stories and some great wisdom to share with our listeners
1: yeah it's great to be back for season three Andrew and we're still holding on to summer here we got our shorts on back in the garage of dreams and delighted to
0: be recording again in the studio Absolutely. So as ever, we've got guests, we've got advice, we've got uh, Ollie and I doing a little bit of analysis on what the key points are that come out of our conversations with uh, the different founders. And also, as you'll be hearing from later, we have Sam Miles, who's joined the team. We're now a team of three. And Sam will be on later to talk about our socials and how you can get involved in the show because this series, we're really keen at your voice and your thoughts get heard also. And Sam will be talking about that a bit later in the show. Anyway, Ollie, let's crack on. Tell us about this first episode of Series 3, our first mystery entrepreneur of the series. So I'm delighted to be speaking with Bonassa
1: Williams, who is co-founder of a brand called Cassoni Cassoni is a body care brand which is looking to reduce plastic in the bathroom.
0: Yes, Ollie. Now, this autumn, there's going to be a lot said about sustainability and about the environment and about the global environment in particular because we're in the run-up to the COP26 summit in Glasgow in November. So this feels like an appropriate episode to kick off with. I think the theme of this show is going to be making wellness and business sustainable.
1: Great topic, Andrew. And I think what Bonassa is doing really well is actually tackling the issue of plastic recycling in the bathroom, 90% of products are recycled in the kitchen, yet only 50% of products are recycled in the bathroom.
0: And if you're new to the show, what we always do with our entrepreneurs is that we start off by asking them about their business and how it all started. And here's what Bonassa had to say.
2: We started in October of 2018 and we spent a year working on the business model, the product, the go-to-market plan, and then we actually launched to the public in October of. 2019. And uh, we're still here, which I'm really excited about. Didn't go exactly as we had in the business plan, but I think that's part of the startup journey in a way that you have your original idea and then the realities of the market or things you discover as you are uh, engaging with the public require you to pivot or revisit your plan and and sort of prior to
1: starting and during that kind of pre-launch phase devising your go-to-market strategy what validation did you do with your consumers how did you know there was going to be enough demand for your products
2: There were a number of different ways that we looked at this. First, my professional background is in health and wellness. So I know this market very well, which is really helpful in terms of understanding where some of the trends are coming from, uh, looking at how consumers are evolving, how they shop and so on. So there was that innate knowledge to start, but I bolstered it in a number of different ways. I did quite a lot of secondary research, so looking at research reports like Mintel, for example, to understand the size of the market, to see where it was growing, where it wasn't from a UK and global perspective. I also wanted to understand if there was an opportunity that was in line with my own personal beliefs. So a lot of my career was spent looking at representation and accessibility, particularly in health and wellness areas. And I wanted to know if There was such an opportunity in um, natural hair care, which, of course, there is. Um, When we started looking out in the market, we realized that there were very few sustainable brands that looked at textured hair types. Some of the other things I did was uh, after the secondary research, I did, I guess, what you would call primary research. So we spoke to our potential customers uh, and that really was around what was going to work what kind of business model makes sense to our customers what price point makes sense will people buy it what really matters to them and originally when we were thinking about casoni we were thinking about different models like oh well maybe we'll have a refillable service or maybe we will do bulk or something else And it was really through that primary research, just speaking to our potential customers that led us to the model where we are now in that consumers really want something that is convenient. The sustainability aspect of the product just needs to be easy to do at home. And it's very crucial that the products work. And so that's where we focused our attention.
1: Obviously, really important doing that secondary research. But as you say, that primary research really informed your business model. Had you not done that, you may have launched and gone with some sort of reusable, refillable product that may have potentially failed. I think a lot of founders do need to do that, that primary research and really hear from their prospective customers. But I find a lot of founders potentially trying to skip over that part. What advice would you have for people that, is going to enable them to really go out and have the confidence to do that primary research.
2: I personally believe that without product market fit or without a product that really speaks to your intended audience, then... You don't have the beginnings of a business or a scalable business. So sometimes it seems daunting. Sometimes it's, oh my goodness, we, we spoke to over 100 people before we uh, decided where we wanted to go with regards to the business model. But I, I think it's one of those things where if it's not your yen to speak to people like this it's just one of those things where you have to find a way and dig deep and it doesn't always have to be face-to-face particularly now given the pandemic you could do um, online surveys you could enlist a friend to help but it's it's such a crucial step I think because without it you could end up spending more money than you want to you may realize that you don't necessarily have a scalable business yeah there's just no no escaping it (laughs)
1: Excellent, Balasa. And in terms of your motivations for starting, obviously we've touched upon some of your background in marketing, and obviously you're very passionate about health and wellness and sustainability. But what was your primary driver for starting the business?
2: This is my this is my first business that I'm co-founding. But I have been involved in two startups now and a handful of kind of past startup stage SMEs. And I really love that ability to grow and shape a business in so many different ways. And so what ultimately motivates me is the ability to bring something into the world that people really need. And what also motivates me very much is the representation and accessibility that that brings. That's really that's really what what drives me. Because ultimately, when people think about entrepreneurship, and some people have a dream of having the ultimate work life balance, and you can dial into work when you want to and leave it and go on to your beach, that has definitely not been the scenario for myself or for a lot of the founders that I interact with on a regular basis it's very much it can become an all-consuming thing and yeah it having that having that motivation for me wanting to bring something special into the world is what keeps me going because it's certainly not the money (laughs) and it's certainly not the fame especially at these early stages can you tell our listeners
1: a bit more about what Kasoni means and also how your customers would describe your products?
2: Sure. Kasoni means earth in Sanskrit and that speaks to me as a former yoga instructor. I became a yoga instructor about 20 years ago and yoga is an important part of my practice. My business partner Jyoti is ethnically Indian so the name speaks to us personally in that way, and. The translation of Kisoni to Earth also speaks to our intention for our customers. So not only being more mindful of our relationship to the Earth, but also to each other, the people who are on the Earth. And that speaks to the product being both sustainable and accessible.
1: Um, And in terms of sustainability, obviously, at the moment, there's lots of companies saying they are sustainable. When you dig a bit deeper, they're not. So what does sustainability mean to
2: you? I I think because sustainability is such a broad term and it can be defined in a, a number of different ways. I think sustainability for me ultimately is about balance. It's about creating as little impact to the planet as you possibly can whilst still being mindful of other people. And when I think about sustainability as well, I think of it in terms of trade-offs these days. So there is no perfect sustainability solution. And I think it's it's challenging when businesses try to pretend that's the case. Everything we do on this planet has an impact on the planet. And so our intention with Kisoni is to be transparent about that. And then you as a consumer can make your, your choices accordingly. But we can't be all things to all people.
0: Okay, Ollie. So let's just go through a few bits and pieces from that first the chat with Vanessa. And what's interesting is that you have a very focused product here. You have a premium plastic-free product targeting an underserved audience and making that more accessible to them. It's the UK's first shampoo in a can. So there's a whole bunch of things wrapped up. It's it's a very focused and targeted thing that uh, Bonassa and Cosonia got going on here.
1: Yeah, and I think hats off to Bonassa for being so niche in terms of her audience and the sector that she's specifically targeting. Because so I think in the early days, a lot of founders definitely go too broad and they're trying to sell everything to everyone. And that obviously doesn't end up well. So I think by actually being very niche and targeted, then you get a lot more traction early on.
0: Now, three things stood out for me th- from your conversation just there. And the first thing I wanted to ask you about, Ollie is about primary research. Now, I suppose in the excitement and the euphoria of starting your own business, you just want to get out there and start selling and, and be in the marketplace. And, and Oli, you said yourself that you found that some founders actually skip that all-important primary research bit. Uh, and I think in Benassa's words, you, say, yeah, you have to dig deep. And actually, these days, given uh, distancing issues, you can actually do this sort of thing online or you can find other ways of doing it without having to do all the hard yards yourself. But Ollie, this is still something that people can't really avoid. You've got to do it at some point.
1: I'd go as far to say it's the most fundamental thing that you need to do on your business journey. You don't know how much of a pain point it is in people's lives. And until you actually get that first-hand information back from consumers, then you don't know the scalability and how big the business is going to be. So I think you need that quantitative data in terms of surveys, but also actually going out and speaking to people and getting that first-hand feedback is is pivotal.
0: I like the ask one hundred people. If you remember nothing else from this podcast, primary research, ask hundred people. There we go. You can't really go wrong with that rule. This podcast is all about the reality of starting a business, and I think some people that have this vision of being a business owner or a founder and they have this lifestyle in mind, but that's was very honest here. And she said, you know, this work life balance dream hasn't materialised. She's not sat the beach all the time, you know, managing a business remotely. It can be all consuming as, as Ollie, you know, we've we've said in previous episodes. Having the passions and principles about your business can be so vital here. Otherwise you'll just lose heart really quickly, won't you?
1: I think if your passions aren't aligned with the business, then like you say, you're just going to get ground out. It's all going to come to a head and you're just going to lose motivation and interest in the business. And that's why it's so important to do something that you truly care about. I think Simon Sinek says it very well on his TED Talk. It's, you know, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it.
0: Mm, interesting. We spoke at the beginning of the show about sustainability and I said that we'll come back to this point, so let's cover this now. So sustainability, as Bellassa said, is an overused term and it's a term you see a lot now in marketing because obviously sustainability sells. People like that to feel that they're doing something good for the planet. It's the first time I've actually heard someone say this. So credit to Bonassa here. There has to be a balance and a payoff here. What what does she mean by that, Ollie? I think it's a great point,
1: Andrew, because Bonassa doesn't have a utopian view of sustainability. She's quite pragmatic. She knows there's trade-offs involved. So I think what she's saying is you can't have it all one way. If you have more of something, then you're going to have less of something else. That's ultimately what sustainability
0: is about. Okay, well, that's payoff maybe leads us nicely into the next part of our conversation. So we always like to get the warts and all stories behind our businesses. And likewise here with Benassa, Ollie next asked her about the sort of challenges that she was coming up against with Casoni
2: being a small business i think the biggest challenge particularly when <laughs> when we experienced both the pandemic and the ensuing lockdowns and brexit this year it's around our supply chain and component parts it is increasingly challenging to get hold of certain component parts in order to make our materials to get hold of component parts at competitive prices so that we can offer our consumers reasonable prices for our products. All of those issues can make it very challenging to run the business in a way. And uh, to give you an example, last year, we had a big order that was due to go out and our supplier wasn't able to source one of the chemicals needed to make our shampoos. And <laughs> uh, that was that was a heart stopping moment really. Uh, we managed to overcome that just by being persistent in sourcing alternatives, but that was super challenging. And that's something that I don't think is going to go away. I think we're going to increasingly have these challenges. So what this means for us as a business is we have to think more carefully about our inventory levels and probably take hold of more inventory than we would have before. And that then has a knock-on effect on our cash flow. Mm. And I think for a small business, particularly a product-based business, for, for us moving from smaller quantities and holding less inventory to... Now having a lot more and having more of our cash tied up into inventory, that's definitely that's definitely a challenge. But that's the reality of the world we're in now. I think the the, the most important thing for us is to always be diligent about it. It's, it's the project management of it all, knowing what is coming in when, keeping a good relationship with our suppliers as well, so that we're not forgotten amongst the larger brands they may be working with. And then thinking about the future. So I'm always thinking about the future. How can I optimize this process? How can I make it smoother? How can I reduce the risk if one aspect fails?
1: And given all these challenges and puzzles that you seem to be solving on a daily basis, Vanessa, how do you stay grounded? Who's in your support network? Who do you lean on?
2: So for me, I have a regular yoga practice and I try to keep at least one hour of yoga or movement in my daily life. And that's definitely kept me sane. (laughs) The other thing that's really important for me is peer groups and peer support networks. Even though I've been involved in startups before, I didn't realize as a founder how lonely it was growing a business and Being part of a peer support group like the Engine Room, where we talk about problems and we, as a group, try to not necessarily solve them, but at least have some food for thought, different courses of action that we may not have thought of before is really helpful. And I think the other cool thing is you don't necessarily have to be in the same sector in order to learn from each other. I, I think that most of us founders are experiencing a lot of the same sort of challenges in terms of getting product market fit or marketing or tweaking the go-to-market plan or cash flow. Those are universal founder problems that you can you know, harness the collective power of a peer group to help make you at the very least feel better that you're not alone (laughs) dealing with all of this.
0: Very much in the news at the moment is talk about supply chain, about empty shelves, about distribution. So this feels quite timely that we're picking up on the issue of supply chain. And it probably reflects the challenges of product businesses versus service businesses.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so many moving pieces that you need to consider when you're a product business. You're sourcing multiple components from multiple different places, different lead times and different payment terms. There's so many pieces that you need to juggle. I'd say it's like a constant puzzle that you're playing on a daily basis.
0: So we learned that actually Bonassa started off her production in-house. Can you give the listeners an idea of some of the key pros and cons to all that?
1: Yeah, I think in the early days, if you're doing formulations of your product in-house, Uh, You've got to consider you need a place to do that. Obviously, if it's a commercial place, you're going to be paying a rent on that. I think the learning you get from doing that in-house is invaluable. So you really understand the process inside out. And also you have complete control over the quality of the end product Mm. because you're making it yourself. So I think those are definitely the benefits. I think there's obviously a ceiling limit in terms of that scalability your capacity to produce that on a mass basis is going to come up against that ceiling quite quickly. So I think that's the reason you'll look to obviously use like a contract manufacturer that Bonassa is obviously doing now. I guess the trouble for that for founders in the early days is that lots of these contract manufacturers have quite high minimum order quantities. So in terms of your cash flow and being able to obviously pay for that first order is a challenge. And also that means that you've got a lot of money tied up in stock. So I think with product businesses, they are quite capital intensive as opposed to service businesses because you've got to pay for your stock, obviously all of your supply chain. You don't get the money back until you sell those products. And so a lot of the money is tied up in those those cost of goods. Um, and I think if your cost of goods are too high, it's going to mean that the end product is going to be not sellable to the end consumer. It depends what route you're going down. Obviously if you're going direct to consumer via your own website, it's all about driving traffic and conversions to make those sales. And with the direct to consumer obviously you've got a lot better margin. Whereas if you're going to retailer, they're going to expect a a markup of about two point four to two point five percent. So in real terms that means if your product is selling in retail for £10, that means you've got to produce it from anywhere from £4 to £4.16. So I think if you are considering a product business, there's lots of considerations on the margins that you need to look into.
0: Okay, thanks, Holly. I know you also asked uh, Benassa about her support networks and it's worth also saying we haven't really mentioned yet but it was actually her and a friend that she made who set up the business so she wasn't entirely on her own we have spoken in the past about sometimes the loneliness of going into business for yourself and you sometimes feel that you are out on your own but mentioned the peer support networks that have really helped her overcome that loneliness and i think the key point i wanted to build on here is that the point that she made is that you don't have to be in the same sector in order to learn from someone else i think it's really important distinction
1: yeah and i think the challenges that you face on a daily basis as a founder are going to be quite similar regardless of industry um, and i think the learnings that you can apply from one industry and actually take that and apply it to a different industry is that's where real innovation happens so i think taking ideas and concepts from multiple different fields is going to be what sets you apart as a founder
0: Thank you, Ollie. So we're going to move on to the last part of the conversation with Vanessa. And here she talks about her aspirations for the future. And she has a piece of advice for other entrepreneurs out there, which is all about your team.
2: Oh, in five years time, (laughs) I would love to see Kisone's retail footprint grow. I'd like to see us available in more places, where our customers shop, that's really important to us, that we are present where our customers shop and it's easy for customers to do that. So the visibility of of the brand and accessibility of the brand is something that I would love to see in five years. We're also expanding our product range. So there will be more ways to sustainably enhance your wash day. So not only with shampoos and conditioners, but with additional products so that you have a Kasoni product for every step of your hair care routine. And those are the two things that I'm, I'm super excited about. I suppose the last thing that I'm very excited about will is around our supply chain and increasing the transparency in that supply chain, which is ever easier to do the bigger a brand you are so that we're able to share our vision of sustainability and the trade-offs as i mentioned earlier to consumers.
1: Awesome, that's great stuff. And in terms of one piece of advice that you'd have to distill down that you'd pass on to a future founder, what would that be?
2: I always talk about product market fit, so i'm not going to say that again, although i think that it's really important. I think if I had one piece of advice for any future founder is to think about your team. You're only as good as the team that you have driving the business forward. And I am so blessed to have the team that I have here at Kisoni. I love working together with them and we're all really excited about what we're building and when i say team so not only thinking or understanding that to grow a business you very likely need one it's also what kind of team do you want what kind of attributes in the team do you want for example i'm a very results oriented person and i'm also pretty straightforward when i'm speaking and giving feedback and for me that that makes an amazing team but some people may not be into that method of conversation or delivery so I think it's really important whilst building the team to have the right balance of skills as well as communication patterns and shared goals as you grow I suppose you'd call that your your culture. So Vanessa where can people find you? You can find Kisoni on our website, which is ksoni.co. You can also find us in selected retailers like Thoughts, Vegan Kind, Worth, MetaLife, Wake Cup, and in selected pop-ups throughout the country. Just check our website and we'll let you know where we're going to be.
1: Awesome, Vanessa. And have you got any special offerers for our listeners at all?
2: Yes, on our website at the moment, we have a discovery kit, which allows you to try all three of our scent profiles for an introductory price of £12. So just head over to our website and select your discovery kit on checkout.
1: Good stuff. Vanessa, have you got a a question for our listeners at all?
2: Yes, my question is, how long do you spend washing your hair? on wash day and the whole answers could be less than 20 minutes more than 20 minutes more than an hour more than an hour wow yeah textured <laughs> care consumers spend an average of 63 minutes shower hour wash day. (laughs) Wow, that is a that is a long time.
1: Excellent, banassa. Well, we'll get the answers for you on that one and see if it fits in with your insights as well. I have to say, Banassa, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Founder and Grounded show. Really looking forward to this one coming out. And just to say a massive thank you.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: So just before we go into Banassa's advice for other entrepreneurs. I know you wanted to just quickly talk about her fundraising activity at the moment and what she's doing there.
1: Yeah, so Bonassa is actively fundraising at the moment. She's got a couple of confirmed investors and she's looking to close around over the next coming months. So if you are an investor or you know somebody that would be keen to invest in this type of business, then I'm sure Bonassa would like to hear from
0: you. And just to that one piece of advice for entrepreneurs, very simply, you're only as good as the team around you. And We've heard it a lot, Ollie, but it's still so, so important, and so relevant, isn't it?
1: Yeah, you can't do it all by yourself, fundamentally. Um, and if you're trying to, there's only so many hours in the day. So to grow and scale a business, you need to build a team around you. In the early days, you know, that could be working with freelancers or interns. And then obviously, as the business grows, looking to take staff on payroll, I think you've got to hire people who've got similar values to you, but also people who are very trustworthy. I think you can teach the skills later on. So my advice on hiring is looking for people who share similar values and are trustworthy.
0: I mean, it's such a massive thing, isn't it, when you're picking your team, and you're creating a team?
1: Definitely, Andrew. And I think you'll get better at hiring as you grow the business and you make those mistakes for yourself. A good phrase that I've always heard is hire slow and fire fast
0: right okay i'll bear that in mind <laughs> so, you know. okay right thanks holly as you heard there benata had a question for listeners and at this point we're going to bring in our new team member sam miles and also Sam will have details about how you can get in touch with us and share your thoughts
3: Martha Miles and I head up the social media and community side of Founded and Grounded. In the Season 3 preview, we asked you the question, what one piece of inspiration did you take away from summer that's going to inspire change or improvement in your life or business? And we got some really interesting answers to share. So Mo Choice took the leap to share something he had created to empower individuals within the community and help people achieve their freedom lifestyle, which sounds incredible. Now, what I really loved about hearing this was the hope behind it, of being able to help other people. And he shared how it was designed for himself based on years of his own experience, having had to walk away from his life's work and start again, which is what keeps him on track every day. I just thought that was such an incredible way to look at things, to have gone through that experience, then walk away from everything you've achieved, but to use that to inspire something new and to help other people. Now, Phil Sawyer's also shared an answer, which was feedback from a client who'd achieved his dream of being able to travel for two months out of every three, secure in his knowledge that his business will continue running smoothly in his absence. I really love this one because inspiration and motivation, when you have that space and that freedom in summer to think a bit more clearly, is often about ways to improve or pivot or add something new and exciting. But actually, what Phil got from summer was this inspiration of positivity and feedback of the things that are going well, which can just inspire you to know that if you keep going and keep putting that work in, you'll get the results. I think that's something we can all do with reminding of at times. Now, Milo Dunn shared a completely different inspiration, which really stood out to me. His answer was sport, especially the Olympics and Paralympics. Now the reason for this was he said he couldn't imagine the depth of commitment it takes to constantly keep going. Now I just loved that in business and in startup it does take so much commitment, so much time and energy and it's about meticulously continuing through the ups and downs. These sports just show that inspiration is proof of how far you can push somebody and how much success you can achieve when you work that hard and give it everything you've got. Now the last two I want to share are actually the complete opposite to what I've shared so far and this is exactly why I want to share them. I think these are potentially the most important ones I read. Now Nicola Barden said she struggled to find one but she thinks it's a combination of her coaching books, her son and she finds inspiration everywhere. I think that's really important to notice that sometimes inspiration isn't there right in front of us It's not one clear piece of inspiration that's going to influence our actions, but it's actually the small things in life that do inspire us. And it's important to remember that the inspiration around us, in our surroundings, in the people around us, in the things we do, to actually take that on board. It's the small everyday stuff that is still an inspiration and helps drive our decisions and actions to keep us going. But Michael Venner also agreed that it's a good question and he isn't sure if he's had any inspiration this summer. Now, the reason I loved Michael's answer was it was so honest and something I think we can all resonate with from one point or another in our business journeys. So Michael said that he thinks that he didn't have any inspiration. He then lost his mojo. Now I don't think there's any business owner who hasn't at one point or another lost their mojo and struggled to find inspiration and really felt the hit of that. I think it's really important to highlight that sometimes we lack inspiration, sometimes our mojo disappears and that is okay. It's perfectly normal and we all go through that. The important thing is to reach out to your community and share those feelings because I think we are able to overcome that so much more and find ideas and solutions when we share it with our community. Whereas when we shut ourselves off and feel like we can't talk about these challenges, that these are negatives or failures, then in fact, we don't overcome them because we're just stuck with ourselves and that feeling. I just love the fact that Michael shared this because we all go through this and actually by sharing that with the community, this is how we come together to support each other and find inspiration to get that mojo back. So that was potentially my favourite answer of the lot. So I'd like to thank everybody who shared their answers. So as a reminder, for where you can find us and let us know your answers to the next founded and grounded question, we're on Instagram and Twitter. So come and let us know your answers to our listener questions. Tell us what you think of the conversation in our podcast and the business stories we're sharing. So come engage with us. Let us know how your journey is going. Or if you've not started yet, come and tell us what you're thinking of doing and learn from each other in the community.
0: So thank you, Sam. So that question, yeah, how long do you spend washing your hair a day? And I think, Ollie, <laughs> i am got to say I'm not sure.
1: I don't think you or I uh, right. can answer to any of those categories. Right,
0: I'm in the less than 20 minutes. I'm in the less than two minutes. Two minutes, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm in Bonassa's target market, but I, who knows, it might be, and I'm going to have to check it out, obviously. You heard there just actually at the end of the conversation with Ollie, uh, contact details. You heard there about how to uh, find out more about Kasoni. It's Cosoni, K-S-O-N-I dot co, okay? And there's a whole world of premium, plastic-free bathroom products therein if you check out their website. Thank you once again to Bonassa. I've got a sneaking suspicion we'll have one or two more entrepreneurs this series and might be talking on a similar theme just a final thought on on sustainability the the theme of today's podcast was making wellness and business sustainable do you think now that every business that is set up by a founder do you think that sustainability has almost to be one of the first starting points do you think people are so bought into that now that if you don't demonstrate that then you're going to struggle 100%.
1: 100%. I think it's got to be one of the cornerstones of your strategy. And it's got to be definitely embedded within it. I mean, there's a big rise of things like B Corps, which basically puts sustainability at the heart of the business. And it's about creating a better business and a better planet, ultimately.
0: Great stuff. Okay, well, good luck to Vanessa. Thank you once again, Ollie. Good to see you. You're on holiday in the, uh, in the next week or so. Ollie's having a, a well-deserved break. Have you just had a summer holiday, mate? You're off on the holiday again. Well, yeah, our kids aren't in school yet. So we're taking the joy of going abroad. So that thing we were saying earlier about living the freelance, living the work-life balance dream, Ollie, is actually living it. It can happen. So, Ollie, have a great break. Enjoy, enjoy that. And I'll see you back in the garage of dreams very soon. And also to you, listener, thank you very much indeed for joining us for this first episode of Series 3. You're very welcome. It's great to have you on board. We know you have a choice of gazillions of podcasts to listen to. So thank you for choosing to spend half an hour or so with us we do appreciate it and please please do get in touch we're really wanting to hear from you this series so do follow up just on the back of what sam was saying just a moment ago but for now though you have been listening to the very very sustainable founded and grounded podcast with myself andrew Pastinge, and mr ollie collard we'll be back again very soon with another founder and some fantastic wisdom for the time being though please continue to take care we're still in a slightly weird and uncertain place so do take care of yourselves and look out for each other and we will join you very shortly but for now cheerio